hey, we're recording a day early, so I feel like really off. Not Me off too. in recording, but just like off like schedule wise. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like any little slight thing to my normal thing. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So we got a message from someone who asked to remain anonymous, but she said, hey, hey. Hi. Hey. So I'm listening to the Garbage Cookies Charisma episode, which is the full length and edited episode that you get on Patreon. Mm-hmm. But this information was obviously in the regular episode, too. And I wanted to put in my six degrees of separation to David Koresh. My boss from when I worked in a forensic lab in Texas was one of the crime scene investigators after Waco and very solemnly talked about that whole scene. And it was so sobering and awful. He said they were just scooping bullets and shells into literal buckets because there were so many and it was impossible to itemize them each individually. They were so overrun with bullets and shells that they would find them everywhere for years after he said he would open a drawer and there would just be bags of spent bullets because they ran out of places to store them i'm not sure that would be the same case today since the dallas lab has grown so much since then and gotten fully online so things are much more particular and it's easier to itemize large numbers of items etc but yeah i had seen documentaries and things on it but it felt so much more real listening to him talk about the aftermath and to see his eyes kind of cloud over when he talked about it you could tell it took a huge toll on him even just to be there after it was all done. And I was like, holy shit, thanks for this. God, we don't always think about the toll it's going to take on the crime scene investigators. Mm-hmm. It was literally highlighted in the episode. I mean, Stabler got fucking sent home because yeah, coming into a scene like that in that same field where there's children and everything else is yeah. a lot. And then I said, do you mind if I mention this? And she was like, yeah, maybe leave my name out of it. Yeah. You stupid bitch. Wow. I didn't see that she said that. <laughs> she, no, she was like, leave my name out your mouth, you stupid cunt. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the tone really totally like, changed. You messaged us, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was like, oh, you, you know, it's crazy that you don't always think about how it affects the, the people coming in. You know, you're so funny. You're like, jeez, I didn't, see, I, I didn't originally see that. She wrote that. <laughs> But yeah, it's got to be tough. Right. And she goes, exactly. He's a super stoic kind of guy. So seeing him affected even so long after the fact was very telling. Yeah. Mm. Fucking nightmare. I just thought other people would find that just interesting. I mean, because I wasn't thinking about that when I was deep diving and writing that or reading it to you. I was like, yeah, you know, thinking about how fucked up it was to probably try to communicate with those guys. But for the forensics team that had to go in, just insane. Yeah. Because it was the biggest firefight in America since the Civil War. It's so insane. And so it's like going to a concentrated it's a whole war. A it's whole, a war zone. It's a whole entire war. That was just crazy to me. And it got me like thinking about shit and whatever. So thank you to people that do that job. I can't imagine the burnout rate on that. Mm. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season six. Shut up. Episode eight. <laughs> Doubt. I constantly thought about the movie Doubt when this was coming up. Me too. That was mm. funny. Hilarious. Just like the movie Doubt. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Opening scene, it's nighttime and a young woman is out on the street crying alone. It's that fucking lady. We love her. Stop. This is an actor we've mentioned quite a few times. The early aughts manic pixie dream girl, Susan Mm. Sossman of the Sicily Sossmans. Yeah, who wanted to be her? (laughs) Yeah, that's a a callback. This is Shannon Sossaman. Brisk Cutter's a love story. 40 Days and 40 Nights, Rules of Attraction, A Night's Tale, tale. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Holiday. And you literally just said what I have in my notes in our 20s. 
20s, we all wanted to be her and be with mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Anyway, on to sentence two of the episode. <laughs> so she tries to catch a cab, but the driver says he's out of service. She tries to get in, but he speeds away, which kind of gently knocks her down in a pile of garbage. <laughs> gently. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you bastard, and throws an empty bottle of wine at the cab, and it somehow busts through the entire back window. What is she, some kind of, I was going to name a baseball player, but I don't know, pitcher? What is she, uh, Larry Bird? No, that's... Uh, <laughs> What's she going for the Cy Young Award? <laughs> yeah, that that's a baseball award given to pitchers. Anyway. What is she, a baseball? So the cab's like, oh, fuck no. Hard back speeds, mm-hmm. almost runs her over, and does run over her like little portfolio or something. Immediately, you see her carrying portfolios. And you're like, oh, yeah, she's an art student because duh. Yeah. It's Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Right. She's an artist. Also, I like how you said the cab was like, hell no. And I just imagined the driver being like indifferent. Like, you know what? It's fine. Let's just keep going, buddy. But the cab has cartoon eyeballs. And it's like, fuck <laughs> this. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> and like s- big side-eyes. Yeah. <laughs> And like their tire kind of looks like a little arm that's like gun in the reverse. And they're in Toontown because it's like half people, half cartoons. Yeah. Roger Rabbit's like, and his wife's like, (laughs) the (laughs) boom. And another car drives by. Oh, (laughs) there's a wolf that's like, (laughs) his tongue. That's his tongue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're like, okay, two sentences into this. Mm-hmm. The driver gets out and he's like, blah, 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 blah. And the cops show up. The driver's like, dude, look what she did in my fucking car. I want her fucking arrested. And she's like, wait. And she starts crying again. And she's like, I've just been raped. And we're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now SVU is on the scene. A cop tells Benny and Staves that the victim's name is Myra Denning. She's a grad student at City Arts. Jeremy's writing the <laughs> university names in this one. <laughs> City Arts. (laughs) New York City Art School. (laughs) The School for Art. Yeah. (laughs) She won't say who raped her and was really freaked out when they asked. And the dude figured he better call SVU. Cop dude. Benson Stabler go to talk to Myra at the ambulance. Stabler asks her what's up and what happened. But she's too panicky and she's like, I I can't. I can't. So Benson's Mm going to ride in the ambulance with her and Stabler starts to canvas the area with the other officers. A cop brings over a man that says he saw what happened. The guy is Ron Polikoff. He lives in the building where the fight between the cabbie and Myra happened. He lives on the third floor and he knows Myra and it's the husband from Enough. Yes. This is actor Billy Campbell. My favorite thing that he was in is The 4400. And I've told you about it before and have you watched it yet? No. Okay. In the 4400, you can't really figure out if he's a bad guy or not. And he's this like Jesus-y looking kind of cult leader guy who comes back from the dead and shit. He turns into a cult leader because he's like, oh, the 4400 and we all need to stick together and whatever. It's so, that's what, it's so good. That's how all cult people get. It's like, oh, I guess, just stay. And you're like, okay. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's why I'll never be a cult leader. Unless you guys like want to follow me somewhere. That's fine. Come on. Let's go to the farm. I don't know. I mean, no pressure or anything, but drink this Kool-Aid or whatever. He's like, oh my God, I know her. And Stabler's like, oh, you do, do you? Mm. Stabler asks if Ron knows anything about the rape. This dude says that Myra is going to tell them that he did. What? So he totally did. 
Right? Mm. I don't know. Theme song. Theme song. Welcome to the SVU. It's the theme song. Here we are at SVU. We're in New York City. Okay. (laughs) The ambulance arrives at the hospital. Myra asks Benson if she can just go home. She's exhausted. She's in the stretcher still. Benson tells her not to give up because she's come this far. Myra is like, oh my God, where's my portfolio? And Benson's like, it's at the end of the stretcher. We're going to take good care of it. We're going to protect it. That means it's going to get destroyed. Oh. Ron shows up at the hospital and Myra Myra sees him and freaks out and tells Benson to not let him see her. Benson shimmies onto the other side of Myra to block her face from Ron. But Ron does see her and asks Stabler if that was Myra. Okay, I I sent you a video. Did you not see the doctor run out flailing his arms like propellers? (laughs) I did see a doctor come out, but I didn't. He was like, he was like, like spinning his arm around. (laughs) <laughs> I do my god, how did I not notice you that? I know. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Steeler has Ron follow him into the Emmy's office. <laughs> Ron was like, where are we going? We're not going to the morgue, are we? And he's like, it's right next door. And that's a weird question. Yeah, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we're back with Myra. She wants to know if Ron's going to be arrested. Benson tells her that Stabler is just talking to him right now. And then Myra's like, what's going to happen next? Benson tells her step by step what's going on and what a rape kit is. Myra asks if she absolutely has to do the rape kit, and then it cuts back to Stabler and Ron. So this is cinematic. I know I want to know who directed this episode because it's very visual. The visual arts here. They love a back and forth question from one conversation being answered to another one. So Stabes and Ron are walking and talking to the ME's office now. He asks Stabler about the evidence kit they'll do on him and if it'll help prove his innocence. And he goes, well, I am innocent unless uh, <laughs> bad sex is against the law. I'm sorry. Uh, wow. Stabler also thinks this guy's a douche and asks, uh consensual bad sex and gives him a once-over eyeballing. And I took that to be saying, if it was bad, it was your fault. (laughs) Right. Corner Warner is in the Emmy's office and Ron goes to shake her hand. She pulls her away and cool guy runs her fingers through her hair on the side of her head. (laughs) Ha ha, you fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) She tells him that she can't shake hands and he needs to go get undressed behind the screen and put all of his clothes in a bag. Ron tells her that he showered before he left the apartment, but Corner Warner says the Lumalite can show traces of body fluid. So the Lumalite is the blue light thing, and it picks up different frequencies of whatever. I read, what's that? I thought it was purple, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. Is it purple? Is it purple it's or blue? Purple light. It's a purple or blue. <laughs> Maybe it's purple. I don't know. I think it's blue. Now I'm going to look it up. What color is a Lumalite? It's purple. It looks like a UV light to me. Like, that's how it looks. Yeah, it's purple. You're right, and I love you. Thanks for admitting that. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Hmm. She came down in a bubble, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So back with Myra, she's also getting undressed and putting her clothes in evidence bags while she tells Benson her side of the story. Ron had called her saying that he wanted to talk about her work and asked her to come over. Back with Ron, he's telling his version of events to Stabler. In his account, he told her, feel free to drop by. I didn't know she was going to show up at nine the same night. She wanted him to look at her portfolio because he's on her MFA committee. Mm -hmm. Back with Myra... She tells Benson that Ron's her teacher, but not her teacher teacher. She's in grad school. 
And Benny's like, right, but he still grades your work and whatever. They're just clarifying mm -hmm. who's who. Well, there's like a power differential there, you know, obviously. Yes. Regardless if he grades her shit or not, there mm -hmm. still is. Yep. Back with Ron, he's explaining that he's one of six people who evaluates Myra's work. When she got there, he opened a bottle of wine. In this scene, as he's talking to Stabler, you can see Ron's back and he's got crazy bloody scratches all over it. Mm -hmm. Also, I thought this was hilarious. Dude's getting naked behind a privacy screen, but Stabler is hard leaning over it like he's fucking... <laughs> Tim Allen's neighbor in a sitcom. He's I like, know, I'm like, tell me more about that. I'm like, is this a locker room? Like, you're just having a chat with your fucking dick and balls Why out? Why is or... he behind a privacy screen? <laughs> I know. Right. Don't mind me. And he just, like, uh, that cartoon wolf, his eye becomes like a point and he puts it on the end of his dick. <laughs> the pointy <laughs> the pointy wolf eye. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Back with Myra, Myra says that Ron invites people over and has drinks all the time. Quote, Ron loves to get to know his students, especially the women. Mm -hmm. Back with Ron, he's stammering on about, uh, uh, well, my students are more relaxed and honest about their work in a domestic setting. Do yeah. I need to take off my shorts? He means his boxers. An off-camera corner Warner's like, please. <laughs> Ron takes his boxers off. Cut. Myra takes her underwear off. Cut. They both have to get on an exam table in their individual scenes. Just, mm -hmm. they're making magic over here, folks. Back and forth, back and forth, yeah. Back with Myra, Benson asks her to continue with her story. We had a couple glasses of wine. Back with Ron, one thing led to another. We started kissing. Back with Myra... She was okay with the kissing, just not with what happened after that. Myra asks the nurse performing the exam what she's using. Again, she also has a Luma light used to find the fluids and shit that you can't see under normal conditions. The light mm -hmm. is very blue. Just kidding. It's purple. <laughs> so purple. But for that light to show, it needs to be dark in the room. Benny's like, I'll get the light. Like, it's not already fucking coal mine black in that goddamn room. Mm -hmm. The music swells. The Luma light shows that Myra has something on her thigh, some sort of fluid. As the nurse takes a sample for the lab, Benny asks Myra, who's feeling totally humiliated, by the way, what happened after the kissing. Myra says that Ron was all over her and wouldn't stop. Back with Ron, he says that Myra was all over him, which was fine, but he wasn't into what she wanted. In their room, Corner Warner's doing the Luma light on his body while they're talking and finds fluids on his shoulder that she snags a sample of. He tells Stabes that Myra wanted to be rough for him to hold her down. Back with Myra, she's tearing up and saying that Ron held her down by her neck. Mm -hmm. Then she begged him to stop and he didn't. Myra's getting jumpy and agitated. Like every time Benson moves close or the nurse touches her or anything, she kind of pulls mm -hmm. back or jumps. She wants to know when they're going to be done. And Benson explains to her that her wounds and abrasions need to be checked and photographed. Back with Ron. Corner Warner finds an abrasion on his tongue. He tells her that Myra bit him. So Stabler's taking pictures of everything, all the injuries and everything now. Back with Myra, Benny's taking photos of her injuries. She's got bruises on her neck and other wounds on her body. Back with Ron, he tells Stabler that when he didn't hold Myra down hard enough, she bit him. And he points to this big old bite that broke the skin on his shoulder, the same spot where Corner Warner took the fluid sample from. Then he turns around to show Stabler that she scratched his back with her nails because she was pissed he wasn't being aggressive enough. Back with Myra, 
She says she fought back as hard as she could. Her nails are swabbed. She says Ron had his hands around her neck and she fought but just couldn't get away. Back with Ron, he says it was the only way he could keep her from attacking him. Stabler asks if at this point it was still consensual and Ron says yes and that he just wanted to get the whole thing over with and get her out of his apartment. Stabler asks if Myra accused Ron of raping her while she was still at his house. He says no, but he could tell she was probably going to when he heard what all happened in the street, which to me is weird. Mm. He wasn't surprised he heard a commotion outside after she left because she wasn't happy he didn't ask her to stay. Stabler tells Ron that he's the professor and that he calls the shots and kind of wonders how he was helpless. Ron explains that his wife left him nine months ago and he was lonely and not thinking straight and that Myra came at him like a bird hitting his windshield. Haven't you ever felt that way? You think you're in control, but you're not? I'm like, ugh, yeah, Stabler feels this fucking way every damn day of his career, you know? <laughs> so Stabler tells Ron that they have everything they need and they're going to look over everything and compare statements and decide if they have a case. He's free to go. Back with Myra. Myra asked why Ron hurt her. She worshipped him and he treated her like trash. Mm. Benson says that Myra said no and that is enough. I Every time the word enough came in, I um, <laughs> caps locked it just because of the movie. <laughs> Myra thinks that maybe it wasn't enough, at least not enough to count. She asks if she can go home, but it's time for the fucking vaginal exam and she's crying. It hurts and Myra cries and holds Benson's hand. <sighs> when this scene was happening, I was like, oh my God, how many times has Benson yeah. had to hold someone's hand through that? Yeah. Ugh. The fact that she does is just awesome because uh, yeah, fucking Benson right there. That's how you make captain. That's how you do it. So Benson and Stabler meet up. Stabler asks how Myra is. Benson tells him that she's had it tough. Stabler tells Benson that according to Ron, she was looking for rough sex. And Benson comes back with, uh, that's what they all say. You know that. Benson leaves to get the rape kit vouchered. Stabler says he'll wait with Myra. So Myra comes out of the hospital, but the car they are waiting for isn't there yet because there's some pileup. Stabler offers to take her home, and I'm like, oh my God, don't do it. We all can see what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not good. It's like three in the morning, I guess. So he's just yeah. like, ugh, I'll give you a ride home. Duh, dude, you take the rape kit. Let fucking Benson wait for her. Oh my God, whatever. Mm -hmm. Later, you can see Stabler helping her up the stairs to her apartment. She's fucking exhausted and she kind of falls back on him and like kind of faints and stuff. He catches her and he's got his, his arms around her chest because he's like, whoa. Yeah. And they have this kind of weird staring at each other moment. She's just like completely out of it and is like looking at him like, ugh. The way he caught her, he like had his hands around on her her chest mm -hmm. and I remember I clocked that and I was like oh here yeah. we go I said oh I wonder if she's gonna mm -hmm. either interpret this this way or accuse him of mm -hmm. trying something because the whole time you're dancing back and forth with well they're trying to make you dance back and forth with being like did he do this or is she lying and we mm -hmm. all know that like one percent of fucking whatever this is reflecting a very prominent ripped from the headlines situation uh mm. and we will Ooh. See you in the chaser. Oh. Okay. He asked her if she could make it the rest of the way. And there's only like three stairs left. And she says she'll try. She gets up the stairs and gets to her door and then like turns back and looks at him super weird. And he, he does this like eye dart thing. Like he's like, <laughs> uh, you did great. And she doesn't say anything and just goes inside. She's like just out of it. And I was like, this is going to be bad. <sighs> okay. And then that cartoon <laughs> thing happens and his feet turn into little spinnies and he runs down the stairs. <laughs> There's like a cloud of I'm gonna smoke. put I'm gonna put the sound in in post. <laughs> At the precinct, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. <laughs> 
Okay, at the precinct, Benson and Stabler discuss the case. Stabler thinks it's, quote, buyer's remorse. Mm. Benson says Myra had physical reactions that were consistent with the victim. Like, she didn't want to be touched every time the doctor and her, like you said, came near her. Yeah, the flinching and stuff. Mm -hmm. Benson tells Stabler that it sounds like he believes Ron. Stabler thinks Ron either agreed to the suspect exam because he's playing them or he's an honest guy who doesn't know what hit him. Mm -hmm. Benson gets a call. Fucking two blood types were found on Myra's nightgown. Or Teddy, they keep saying, which I fucking hate. I hated it too. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I'm so fucking glad. Yeah. Oh, it was Ron's and another guy. Yeah. I like how she's like, my my underwear. And she's like, no, you're Teddy. And I was like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you're Teddy. You're satiny, silky, lacy fucking Teddy. Ew. Teddy, it's a specific type of lingerie, so that's why they keep referencing it like that. It's just like it's a jumper, the, right? Yeah, it's like a little romper. It's like a little lacy, lacy little lingerie um, romper. romper. I'm going to call it anything but what they're calling it. Okay. At the precinct, Benny, Staves, and Myra walk into an interview room as Myra asks them if they had arrested Ron yet. Benny tells her not yet and asks if she had sex with anyone other than Ron the day before. And Myra says no. Stabler tells her there's semen from two men on her Theodore Roosevelt. Benson explains that if she <laughs> had... Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> Benson explains that if she had consensual sex with someone else, it doesn't change what happened with Ron. Myra asks if it's a trick to see if she's lying. She's really confused. She sticks to her story and clarifies that not only did she not have sex with anyone else, but also that what happened with Ron wasn't sex. It was rape because mm -hmm. it did continue to be referred to as sex. I'm glad she made that distinction because yes. sometimes in the past episodes, they'll call it sex or be like, um, he did her or whatever. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Novak and Craig and watch from the other side of the glass on the sprawling white beaches of Craigan's all-inclusive Sandals Resort while they kick back with classic pina coladas and watch the surf roll in. Craigan's drink is N.A. though. He just likes pineapple and coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Novak says the DNA can't come back soon enough. She needs to draft a complaint, but needs to know what Myra is hiding and why. Craigan thinks she's embarrassed about having sex with two people in one day, which she shouldn't be. Novak says she better get over it because the two samples are enough to get her sexual history admitted to evidence. A staff member of the precinct pops her little head in to let Craig know Ron's lawyer is there to see him. Before she can get the whole sentence out, Donna Emmett Esquire, Viola, I eat Oscar nominations for breakfast, Davis, mm -hmm. fucking drives a monster truck over this little gal to get into the room. She's just <laughs> like, know. move. It was like weird how she fitted into the squad room. <laughs> Like, as she's plowing in, Cragen drops the blinds to the interview room, but she saw that the complainant, Myra, is being interviewed by the detectives. Mm -hmm. She's fucking on one and asks if Ron's getting charged with anything. Benny and Stabes walk into the room as she pulls out a list of Myra's, quote, numerous sexual partners. Uh, I get into this later about because then in the courtroom, she's like, this stuff isn't allowed anymore in court. I'm like, you did it. You did that. Mm -hmm. You know? Okay, anyways. Novak tells her her list is fucking irrelevant. And Viola Davis says that Myra's lying is definitely relevant. Then tells them about a different time when Myra rear-ended a vehicle, then told the police a heart-wrenching story about her grandmother dying when she couldn't walk in a straight line for the officer. But then the grandmother <laughs> is the one who bailed her out. <laughs> yeah. Benson's like, well, I mean, she was having a hard day. And they're like, yeah, well, that fucking grandma resurrected from the goddamn dead, bailed her out of jail. How many grandmas right. have died? I had a lot of grandmas die during COVID. Oh, 
No, not for real. Like I for, mean, I was just like when I didn't want to go in. <laughs> in my career, I've had a lot of grandma's time. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think I ever used that one. I was always too afraid. I would just be like, you know what? I'm not dragging anybody else into this lie. I've got diarrhea. <laughs> that was my go-to. <laughs> uh, I've had COVID 43 times during the pandemic. <laughs> no. Viola Davis is continuing on with her argument and says that Myra was drunk the night that she was allegedly raped. And Ron said he had been with her when she got that way and didn't force her to drink or have sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's arguing what Ron said as if that matters to filing anything. You know what I mean? Right. Of course, that's what Ron said. She grabs her briefcase, spins on her fucking heel, and as she leaves, tells them to let her know when they decide to drop the case. Uh, I fucking love her. I know. her. So... I don't love her argument, but her presence is just Her presence. Her, I, love the, I love her way she talks. I love the way her mouth moves. She's mm-hmm. just great. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Novak shows Benny Staves and Daddy Craig's the list. Stabler wonders how Viola Davis was able to get the names on this list so fucking fast. And I'm like, well, she must have found her fucking Gabe-style journal. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Craig tells them to send Myra home and get to the people on the list before Viola Davis does. Mm-hmm. I can't not call her her full Christian name, by the mm-hmm. way. So the detectives start working on making contact with the people on the list. Justin Wexler is the first person that they contact. This fucking guy. Mm. I swear he like tried to change accents like three different times. He was being a shitty little sass at first. Benny and Stabes are in his studio, his art studio slash apartment. He is too busy with so much art that Mm. he's going to keep working while they talk to him. He's this just sassy little sass. He tells them that he had been going out with Myra. Benny asks if he was her boyfriend. He's like, um, yeah, I just gave you the definition of boyfriend. Okay. Benson asks him when was the last time he had sex with Myra. The way he said the sentence, it was the first time he like changed his accent halfway through. But go ahead. Oh, really? See, I didn't. I was just annoyed by the way he was speaking mm-hmm. to our future captain. He tells her that he'll let Benny know that if she tells him the last time she got laid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I roll. These are fucking sex police asking questions yeah. about your supposed girlfriend, you fucking loser. Like, I don't need to get laid. I have a tomato. Thanks. <laughs> oh my God. Should we market and sell tomato vibrators? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Smash that follow button. Let us know in the comments if you want us to fucking smash that. <laughs> smash that follow button. Follow button. Smash our vibe. Right to- oh, <laughs> Pass. Sorry. You were almost there. I was close. That's what she said. <laughs> Stabler asks him where he was the night before. Justin was at his place with two of his friends watching basketball till eleven thirty. Then he went to bed. He finally in this conversation, asks if Myra's in trouble. Benson, who has fully buried the lead, tells him that Myra may have been raped. And he finally is like, oh, holy shit. Um, Is there anything I can do? Benson Mm -hmm. tells him that he needs to tell them when the last time they had sex was. It was three nights ago. She had on this slinky black lace thing. A Teddy Ruxpin, they ask. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. Justin gets upset. And asks if he's the one who's being accused of rape. They just need to get a DNA sample from him to rule him out. And that prompts Justin to ask, has she been sleeping around? It's Ron Polakoff, isn't it? Okay. He tells them that he knew she would cheat on him with Ron. She can't stop talking about him. He then says the girls at school line up around the block to, quote, inspire him. 
Mm-hmm. Justin then dramatically and artistically splooshes his drink out of his blue New York City styrofoam coffee cup and he hawks a fucking lug in it and says, here's your DNA sample. Pass it on to Myra when you're done with it, which mm. I don't even get what that means. He didn't get any more information other than we need your DNA. And he's decided that she just slept with this other dude and is raging fucking pissed. They told him that she may have been raped. Yeah. And he's like, she fucking cheated on me. It's like, I don't, she was up with this guy in 1985. He had one cool thing. Everybody's fucking trying to suck his dick. We'll fucking give it to her. You know, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a, we've all dated this guy. Mm-hmm. Benny and Stabes go to meet up with Myra. Benson wants to know why Myra didn't tell them she was dating Justin. Myra says she didn't think it mattered because she hadn't seen him in a few days. It had nothing to do with her being sexually assaulted. Stabler Mm -hmm. says he thinks it might be that she didn't want her boyfriend to know she was with Ron. She admits that that's kind of true, but only because Justin gets jealous. He does. I didn't even notice that. He didn't seem jealous. (laughs) They're like, here, he asked us to give you this. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah. Fucking loser. Benson asks if the other semen on the Teddy Roosevelt was Justin's. And Myra said, yeah, it is. And they're like, disgusting. You didn't wash your teddy. She's like, oh my God, I thought it was clean. (laughs) Yeah. They were like, oh, it was the same one you wore to Ron's. (sighs) Boo, you whore. (laughs) She was embarrassed. And she's like, I took it off when I got home from hanging out with Justin and threw it in a pile of clothes. So when Ron called me a couple days later to go to his place and go over my shit, I threw on some clothes that looked clean in that pile. And Benny, I mean... They can't get past the show. I don't know. I don't know. I get what they're doing here, but as a show. But Benny goes, and the teddy. You put on clothes and the super sexy fucking jumpsuit that you wear under your clothes. There's lace on it. So it means you want to fuck Teddy. Stabler then asks her about other sexual partners and starts going down the list. This poor fucking girl wants to know, where did you get all this information? And Benson asks her who else would know. Myra thinks it's Jenny, her roommate. Jenny has a crush on Ron. And when Myra told Jenny she was raped, Jenny acted like Myra made it up. Cut to Benson and Stabler talking to Jenny. She's like angry painting a thing. Oh my God, I took a video. (laughs) She's like, the way that she's two-handed rolling that blue paint on the wall, it was so fucking mm. she's rolling with her whole body <laughs> she's like her, her whole head. head is flopping back it's yeah <laughs> also this actress was in porn and chicken we haven't talked about that one in a while so there's those are two separate things or that's a movie she was in porn, porn and chicken, and chicken? <laughs> or the movie's porn and chicken it's a movie porn and chicken okay she's like yeah i gave fucking this list to ron of all the dudes my fucked she's like we're not even friends we're fucking roommates my biceps hurt so hard. Devin? Devin. Um, Jenny tells him that Myra knew she liked Ron and sleezed her way into his bed. She does not think that Myra was raped by Ron. Stabler tells Jenny that Myra was beat up pretty bad. Jenny says that Myra gets kind of crazy when she drinks. Maybe she fell down some stairs. And then Benson's like, oh, does she try to strangle herself too? Jenny is convinced it wasn't Ron because he's not into kinky stuff. Benson's like, how do you know that? She knows that because she's been having sex with Ron. She thought they were in a relationship. She says that she gave him the list because he was scared and admitted that he had had sex with Myra and apologized. Ron loves her and he's not a rapist. Benson and Stabler walk off and Benny says she thinks Ron got back together with Jenny just to get dirt on Myra. Doi, no doi. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) 
That's okay. We we'll just move right along. Okay. Thank you. Doi. Uh, no doi. <laughs> Benson Stabler go to talk to Ron. A young woman in a robe answers the door. Benny says, "Uh, whoa, how old are you, sweetheart?" Ron turns around the corner and says, "She's sixteen and is my daughter. Her name is Sophie." Sophie takes off. She's late for something. Got a shower. Ron invites them in. They were trying to make it a whole like, "Oh my God, he's a predator. Look at him with this girl in his." fucking apartment he's like fucking relax it's my daughter yeah he's like did you think that my daughter was my girlfriend benny's like i heard you like him young he says he wants to know who said that and benny says doesn't matter do you so he hasn't dated anyone under 21 since he was 21 himself and says that jenny is 25 and not an undergrad if they want a list of his girlfriends they should have just asked him Benson asks about the list he gave Viola Davis. He says, it's pretty long, isn't it? Kind of shows the type of woman accusing me of rape will sleep with anyone in pants. And I fucking Mm. punched a hole through my computer and had to get another one and download everything just to do this today. Oh my God. I'm so sorry you had to go through all that. So much money. I burnt my actual house to the ground. So I'm in a field right now. (laughs) Oh my God. I can't believe the sound is this good. (laughs) It should be some like... (laughs) Dear... Benson asked him if that's why he invited Myra over to his house that night, because he thought she was easy. Ron says he didn't know she would come right over. (laughs) Myra was worried about her thesis, and he says she should have been because her work isn't good. He looked at the portfolio for about an hour and made some notes. He says that the notes were made after they had sex and asked if they really think she would have hung around if he had raped her. Fuck off. Benny and Stabes meet back up with Myra for an outdoor walk and talk. Myra recounts her side. She got there. He poured wine. They went over the portfolio. He raped her. Benson asks what happened after. Myra says he walked out of the room and she couldn't move. She heard the shower. And when he came back in and said, you can't stay here all night, she got dressed and left. Mm -hmm. Benny gently goes, okay. And Myra, with a full neck of finger-sized bruises, Uh goes... No, not okay. Yeah. Myra wants to know why she gets the feeling that they think she's lying. You've got the facts. What's next? Yeah. They keep going back and forth, asking a lot of questions, and she's not seeing any action and is getting really pissed off. Yeah. Benson and Stabler go over the case details with Novak now. The other DNA is Justin's. Stabler Mm -hmm. thinks that the fact that Myra wore sexy underwear to see Ron may hurt Myra's case. Benson gets mad and says, um, underwear aren't an invitation for rape. Mm -hmm. Stabler fires back by saying that Myra might not have seen it as rape until Ron told her to leave. Okay. Novak, who's clearly annoyed, jumps up and tells them she can't prosecute until they agree. Is that true? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. But she's like, call me when you're on the same page. And she leaves. Benny asks Stabler what his problem with Myra is. Stabler calls her neurotic, says she chased after Ron, and says that Myra was the one that wanted to have sex. Benson's Uh getting mad. Oh, really? Did she want to be strangled too? Mm-hmm. And fucking Stabler goes, a lot of people do. They are in a heated nose-to-nose right now. Faces pressed up against each other, mm-hmm. screaming. She hasn't told a consistent story yet. Well, maybe he lied. They argue about her word against his, going back and forth. Stabler emphasizes that her word can put him in prison for 10 years and makes the bullshit argument that she hailed a cab instead of calling the cops. And I'm in my living room screaming, you're the fucking sex police. Get better at this. Yeah. 
But he keeps going. She didn't even mention the rape until she was about to be arrested. Benson steps into the closet, puts on her Captain Obvious uniform, comes out and yells, probably for the hundredth fucking time, Elliot, rape victims are in shock. They're in denial. You fucking know that, you asshole. Yeah. And he just go. he stick into what he's saying. He goes, I've also seen liars. Very rarely and, um, with rape victims, but sure. Everyone in the precinct is just fucking popcorns and sodas. <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Craigan pops out and goes, hey guys, you come to my office? The two of you? Now? Craigan calls him into his office. Attorney Scary is there. She's Myra's lawyer. We've met her before. Yeah. She wants to know why the fuck Ron hasn't been arrested for raping Myra. Stabler says there isn't enough evidence. Scary wonders how the rape kit isn't enough. Mm. He says that all the bruises, contusions, etc. could have been caused by rough sex. And then Scary goes, are you just fucking looking for reasons to not charge Ron? Craig and jumps in because it's getting heated and says that the case won't be easy to win. So they're trying to get everything together so it won't fall apart. Scary then says they're not trying to charge Ron because they're trying to hide that Stabler fucking sexually harassed Myra when he took her home from the hospital. Here we go. Here it is. Ooh, Stabler was like, excuse me? Scary says that he touched Myra inappropriately on the staircase. Stabler says, I only touched her to stop her from fucking falling down the stairs. Scary says, maybe that's the excuse you use to cop a fucking feel. Wow. Craig wow. tells her that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> And says there has not been complaints about him in 12 years. He's only been working there for 12 years. Because I was like, well, what happened 12 years ago? Uh, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happened 12 years ago? Yeah. And first of all, there's been a ton of complaints. Maybe not sexually, but there's been a ton of complaints. He literally just shot a guy. <laughs> yeah. He just shot and killed somebody. Yeah. Scary brings up that men can change. And then says Stabler's separation that his wife filed for and that she took the kids and moved out might be an explanation for this. Oh, my God. God. Oh my God. Craigan and Benson's faces dropped. Nobody knew. Stabler's face was, he's like, if this was mm -hmm. a dude, I would have fucking sandbagged this motherfucker. Oh, Nobody yeah. knew. The music is intense and he slowly, oh my God, it was intense. He slowly gets into her face, takes a gulp and shakily says, you don't have the right to use my personal life to make your case and turns to leave. Scary says, I don't give a fucking goddamn about your personal life unless it affects my client and it does. Stay away from her. <gasps> Full body fucking oh. chills. He's He fucking takes off. Scary demands that Stabler be removed from the case. Benson obviously goes after Stabler. Mm -hmm. She's like, dude, well, hey. She doesn't believe that he touched Myra, mm -hmm. which in itself is kind of problematic, but whatever. Yeah. But yeah, she wants to know what's going on. And Stabler fucking tells her Kathy left him and walks off. Later, Stabler is on the island of Arufa. <laughs> I just forgot about that when I was up there. Oh my God. <laughs> Stabler's on the roof. That is a call back. Gabe was in the yeah. attic digging around. <laughs> Craigan goes up to talk to him. He tells Stabler to let him know if he needs time off and then asks about this allegations with the touching Myra. Stabler calls it crap and Craigan tells him that he broke fucking procedure and asks him why he got in a car alone with a female victim. Stabler's like, well... It was 3 a.m. and the sector car was going to be an hour late. I like the way that Craigan's asking these questions. He's asking like this could be a thing. He's not just like, oh, I automatically believe him because he's my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, bro, yeah. you broke procedure. What the fuck? You know? Give me a rundown of what happened. Yeah. I mean, he's asking him the way he would ask anybody who's been accused. Yeah. Craigan wants to know why Stabler just didn't drop her off outside her building. Why did he go inside? Stabler tells him that she was dead on her feet and she lives five floors up. She like couldn't walk. He also kind of wanted to size her up. He should have done that in the precinct. Craigan thinks that Scary is just trying to bully 
bully them. And if they arrest Ron, the allegation will go away. And he tells Taylor that he's done with fucking Myra, which is weird because he's there the whole time. And also, what do you mean he wanted to size her up? What does he mean by that? Just like if she could be trusted or not. Just try to get a read on her. You know what I mean? Like she was going to get sick of having you help her up the stairs a couple floors up and be like, oh, my God, <laughs> I just got a yeah. burst of energy. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I don't understand why he says that he's done with Myra because he's on the case for the rest of the episode. Yeah, but he probably just can't talk to her anymore. Yeah, but he's not supposed to be on the case. He shouldn't be involved at all. Yeah, the lawyer demanded that. Novak and Donnelly power walk and talk about the case. Myra's credibility is in question and Novak doesn't know what to do. Scary is threatened to go to the media if SVU doesn't make an arrest, but SVU is split on whether they should make the arrest or not. So, bleh? Mm-hmm. Donnelly thinks that Novak should bring an ex-indictment to the grand jury and make them decide if there is a case. Mm-hmm. Mm. In Novak's office, I think Novak and Benny are doing a little practice questioning for the grand jury because the way that they're speaking is not conversational. It's more like um, questiony. Yeah. Novak asked Benson what she based her opinion of the rape on. Benson says that Myra showed symptoms of PTSD, possibly from the rape, and recounts her experience with Myra in the hospital. She was just super jumpy, like she was anticipating another attack. Novak asks if Myra maybe misinterpreted what happened with Stabler because of this response. Like, the PTSD and the aftermath of that sort of situation that Benson saw is maybe her also misinterpreting mm-hmm. Stabler catching her, which yeah. that right there, from the show's standpoint, that's supposed to make us go, oh, there's a major gray area here. Like, she's possibly not making up that Stabler did something, and he may not have intentionally sexually assaulted her. Like, there's a gray area in there where she interpreted it that way mm-hmm. and really believes that, even yeah. though Stabler really believes that that isn't true. You know what I mean? Like, that's what this whole little thing says. Yeah, what does she say? Usually the victims, like, after they assaulted, they're so shocked they're just waiting for the next one, you Mm -hmm. know? So Yeah, right. So in her mind, Stabler did assault her, even though to Stabler and to the viewer prior to this moment were like, "Mm, absolutely not, she's making that up. Well, making it up may not be the same as interpreting it that way. Right. It's about perspective and what our own truth is and how we see the world. Some of this black and white shit shoves that out of the way. Mm -hmm. So just then, Myra and Scary show up in Novak's office. Myra has her computer. She got an email that said, poor liar, I hope you burn in hell. I hope you die, bitch. They can't trace the account. It's from a free ISP. The screen name is Eagle. And Benny makes this huge leap. And she's like, I know. I was like, what? The screen name is Eagle. Eagle is a bird. It's a bird. The national bird of the United States. It's not an uncommon bird. But Benny makes this huge leap and goes, as in Eagle, Colorado, the Kobe case. In reference to Kobe Bryant and the rape accusations. Oh. Myra thinks it's Ron. Scary thinks it's an angry men's group like Dad's Manifesto or the National Alliance of Free Men. Dad's Manifesto sounds uh, like a band name. I like it. I do too. (laughs) Uh, Even though it's probably an awful, awful group. Scary thinks that Ron contacted one of these groups and they're using threats and intimidation to get Myra to drop the charges. They really like leap around in that whole scene. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. It's almost like they thought there was going to be a different ending and then they changed the actual ending. Oh. Like all these men's group were going to show up. (laughs) Yeah, they're referencing a lot of, I don't know. But I think all they're doing is painting a picture for us of it's being put in the public eye Mm -hmm. and now she's being harassed um, by, I'll get, uh, so anyway, the, the, 
No, I know what I'm trying to say, but then I don't want to tell you the chaser. The chaser is about Kobe Bryant. This is in reference to the Kobe Bryant rape accusations. I don't know anything about that. Okay, so the accuser was fucking dragged and I'm going to get into all of that. But in this episode, it's like they wanted to reference that. But the accused isn't some big national celebrity, Mm -hmm. but it was intimidating her, Myra, in the episode. She was being intimidated by being harassed. And um, I think that's how they were getting to it by being like, oh, yeah, there's these men's groups and whatever. Mm. Benson asks to borrow Myra's computer to bring it to Taru to see if they can figure it out. At the Taru lab, the emails were tracked to the City Arts campus. City Arts, the art of the city. Benson says it's where Ron teaches. And Stabler says that it's also where Myra goes to school. Going like, oh, Ron may have sent it. Oh, Myra may have sent it. Benson Mm -hmm. gets fucking mad asking if Stabler thinks Myra sent the emails. He just doesn't want to count her out. I mean, at this point, they unfortunately can't count that out. Yeah. Tariutek Ekavaria, who looks like Chris Parnell to me, says that the emails were sent from a library computer. He does, right? Yeah, he does. Anyone with a school ID could have access. Mm-hmm. Cut to City Arts Library. The librarian is this little cutie. She reminds me of the office lady in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> I don't know, just like... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. She says she was at her desk and didn't see Myra or Ron all day. She knows them and says that they're very nice people. And she also says the whole campus is divided, but they both will lose. The dean fired Ron that morning. So that's big news. So that's big news. Yeah. (laughs) I just like paused weird. I was like, well, okay. So in the computer, it says that neither Ron nor Myra checked out any books, but the sign-up sheet for the computers had Ron's last name on it. And then the library lady was like, oh no, that's not Ron. That's Sophie. Any children of faculty have free access. And I'm also like, Mm -hmm. why is Stabler still here? Yeah. Benny and Stabes find Ron packing his car up. Where are you going? Taking off? Skipping town? No, the college told him to move out of faculty housing. He says so much for innocent until proven guilty. Fucking Jenny comes out with a bunch of stuff. She's helping him move to a hotel. Ron says he lost everything because an unbalanced woman couldn't deal with rejection or a bad grade. Jesus. Staler tells him that they need to speak with Sophie, but fucking Ron says no. She's a minor and he won't agree to it. Staler tells him that if he has nothing to hide, then he will let them speak with her. And Benson's like, or I could just ask her mom. And he's like, fuck that. Fine, do it. In the precinct, Sophie is brought in for questioning. Benson asks Sophie why she was in the library. Every question that she gets asked, she like looks at her dad before she answered because mm-hmm. she's scared. To me, this wasn't that weird because if I was in the police station, right. I would be looking at my dad the whole time too. And Because all he did was nod like, go ahead, you know. I'm glad you made a note of that because, yeah, I felt like they were kind of... Stabler's like, oh my God, he's manipulating her. I'm like, I think she's just scared, to be honest. Yeah, it felt like splitting hairs. Yeah. Sophie says she was working on a science project. She looks at her dad when Benson asks if that's all she did, and she says yes. Behind the glass in Cragen's Dairy Queen franchise he just bought, he's (laughs) teaching the new kids how to make a blizzard and do that cool thing where they hold it upside down. He's a real hands-on owner. (laughs) Stabler notices that Sophie keeps looking at her dad before she answers the question. Cragen's like, ah, she's probably just scared. Yeah. Stabler thinks Ron is coaching her. Sophie tells him that she used the computer, but it was for research. Benson holds up the email that's like, fuck you, whore, and like yells at her if she wrote it. She won't answer and seems nervous. Benson asks her again and again, and Sophie stands up and shouts, why don't you leave us alone? Ron hugs her and he says, okay, that's enough. (laughs) 
so yeah, Ron's holding her and like kissing her forehead. Ron admits that Sophie sent the emails. She probably saw how upset he was and heard him talking on the phone about Myra. He's responsible for this, not her. Behind the glass, Stabler gets mad. He's like, what? He tells Craig that Ron coming forward to say that he did it makes them think he's a stand-up dude. Stabler thinks that he's manipulating the hell out of Sophie and that he's manipulating SVU. The first thing Ron said to him is that Myra was going to say he raped her. And Stabler said, he's good. Benson comes in and kind of overhears that last part. So now you don't believe him. Then Novak comes in. The grand jury voted to indict Ron. Novak is on the way to tell Myra and ask Benson if she wants to come with. Outside the apartment of Myra Denning, Novak and Benny are knocking on her door, but she doesn't answer. So they're going to leave to go see if they can find her on campus. A Stanley Tucci looking guy with rubber arms and legs wearing a sweater vest and glasses boings between them as he rushes up the stairs and angrily bangs on Myra's door. That was, yeah. (laughs) It was a bald Flanders. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. He's like, boo, 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 open the fucking door. They look at him like, what? And he bangs super hard again, yelling again. Benny's like, fucking chill out, dude. She's not home. He goes, she better be. There's water pouring through the ceiling. Oh, shit. Zero hesitation. The music person in the studio cranks it to a fucking 11 as Benny <laughs> shoves this dude out of her way and into a service closet before she hee-haw donkey kicks the door in. <laughs> yeah. They rush in and find Myra passed out in the tub. She still has has a pulse. Novak calls 911. Benny finds a bottle for sleeping pills floating next to her in the tub. On the phone, Novak tells 911 it's an attempted OD. At the hospital, Stabler shows up and asks Benny how Myra was. But he asks her like, "Hmm, how's Myra? Mm -hmm. And his tone tells me he's gonna be a fucking prick. (laughs) Benson starts kind of beating herself up to Stabes saying she feels bad. She didn't see how bad Myra was feeling and she didn't do anything to help her. Stabes is so pumped to be right, I guess. He says that Benny did exactly what Myra wanted her to. So I think he's he's like, I believed her for a second and now I'm back to she's a piece of shit and I'm mad that I believed her for a second. So he's just sassing so hard. He asks Benny, How long did it take you to get to Brooklyn? 45 minutes. Stabler lets her know that Myra called the office after Benny had left. She wanted to know about the grand jury decision. Munch told her that Ron had been indicted and Benson was on the way to see her. She knew that Benson was coming. In the hospital room with Myra, Benson's standing at the foot of the bed as Myra wakes up. The way the camera has this set up too, it's like they, they make it look like the bed is like 40 feet long. It's classic separation. It's Myra's POV shot. Mm -hmm. The whole thing, artistically done, this whole fucking episode. Mm -hmm. She wakes up, looks at Benson and just says, you saved my life. Benson, who isn't super pumped, asks Myra, what would have happened if I had gotten stuck on the bridge? Myra's confused. And Benson calls her out on knowing her tub would flood the neighbor's apartment. She knew Benson was coming and that she wouldn't die. The way she went about this was pretty, oh, it wasn't very How gentle. How know that it would flood in the right amount of time? You know. know what I mean? It right. just doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. It's really mastermindy, but that's what they're accusing her of being. So mm-hmm. Myra starts crying and says, Myra starts crying and says she was taking a bath and she took sleeping pills because she'd been having trouble sleeping, but then took more because she just couldn't stop crying. She felt herself going, but didn't care. She just wanted to die. So that kind of makes sense too. That's also Uh an explanation. She says she doesn't want to relive the details in court. The grand jury was already horrible. Mm -hmm. Ron's just going to say she's lying and she can't prove anything, but she's not lying. 
<sighs> so now we're at the trial. Novak questions Myra on the stand. She asks her why she didn't call the police or go to the hospital after the rape. Myra just wanted to go home and hide. You know what? Whatever people do after is fine. I think I think if I was raped by somebody that I knew, I probably, first thing I wouldn't do it, I probably wouldn't go to the cops. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or the hospital. Does that make sense? It's the, I mean, but I don't know. There's a period of time where your brain is trying to process that this person did this. Maybe I'm somehow at fault. Maybe I made this happen. Um, Mm -hmm. There's lots of reasons why people Mm -hmm. don't go to the hospital right away. There's lots of reasons why people don't go to the cops for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so this question is seemingly irrelevant to me. Right. So Myra said she just wanted to go home and hide. She tried to hail a cab. He wouldn't take her to Brooklyn. She, quote, lost it, threw the bottle at the cab. When the cops came, they were the first person she felt safe to tell she had been raped. Now it's Viola Davis's turn. She accuses her of not acting like a rape victim, which Novak obviously objects, because what the fuck? Yep. And then she asks her if she ever accused any other man of assault. And Myra says no. Then Viola Davis brings up the incident with the stairs and stabler. And Myra says, I don't, I don't remember. So Viola says, let me refresh your memory and tells her stabler gave her right home. He helped her to her door. And then the next day she claimed sexual harassment. Viola Davis says, an officer of 12 years with an unblemished record, he groped you? An unblemished record? First of all, second of all, that means nothing. First of, first of all, and then she whipped her <laughs> scarf behind her neck. Second of all. <laughs> Did I really? You didn't even say oh a first God. of all. You just threw your scarf over your shoulder. <laughs> and I loved also, it and it seemed appropriate. Thanks. Also, you can be groped by a police officer. With a flawless record. Mm-hmm. Heavy quotes around the flawless Mm-hmm. People haven't reported, quote unquote. Okay. Viola Davis asks if she made it up. Myra starts crying and says she's sorry. She was just confused and was in pain. Again, Viola Davis asks if she made it up. Myra keeps mm-hmm. crying. Novak says that Myra needs a break. Judge calls for a 10-minute recess. Then Myra has to walk by Ron for some reason. Damn near like doing that thing that you have to do on an airplane or like um, in a stadium when you're trying to scoot by somebody. Yeah, like they're like, so oh, fucking, it's like, let there's, her go around the other way, you guys. There's other ways. Why do you do this, SVU? Why do you do this government, actual government thing that happens? Later, Ron takes a stand. Viola Davis asks Ron if he regrets anything from that night. He says he regrets inviting Myra in, drinking and having sex with a, quote, troubled young woman. He mm. says he didn't break any laws and calls himself the victim. If if anybody's a victim, it's him, right? Novak questions Ron now. She holds up the photos of the bruises on Myra's arms and neck and all that stuff. She asks if he made them. He then starts getting pissed and asks if they have pictures of his bruises and his bite marks. Novak asks again if he made those bruises and marks. He says he did, but because she wanted him to. And when he didn't, she would scratch him so hard she drew blood. Novak's like, bro, you're 6'4", 200 pounds. Myra is maybe 115. You still want to claim you're a victim? A woman forced you to have sex with her? Okay, don't go down that road, Novak, because that fucking happens. Don't Mm -hmm. fucking... Men can be raped. Don't fucking say that shit. Men can be raped by women. Anyways, you were literally in an episode where you raped a guy, Novak. Yeah. (laughs) In the second season. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God, I forgot that. He says he's the victim because it's his face in the papers. His kid had to change schools. He lost his job. His wife sued for fucking custody of Sophie. His life is in shambles. And all he can say is he did not rape her. So at the precinct, Benson and Stabler discuss the trial. Benson wants to know what Stabler thinks. Stabler says he thinks he's glad he's not on the jury. And Benson agrees. It's a tough one. Benson tells him that she saw a scared and hurting woman, but maybe she jumped the gun in believing her. Stabler mm -hmm. thinks he probably didn't give Myra a fair shake. They're doing that fucking grease thing where they both like give up a little bit of themselves so that they can come together <laughs> you know, and then fly away in a car. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing it as like they're both opening up to the possibility that this is I mean, this is a yeah. he said, she said. Right. You know, and one leans into one for one reason and one leans so into the other. So it's not a flying off in the car grease thing? They're not flying There's off no in flying a car. Cars. There's just no flying saying? cars. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe there is. I hate the show. We're ending them. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for six seasons for a fucking flying car. Okay. I've actually been waiting my entire life for a flying car. I think we all have. <laughs> we all have. Stabler says that seeing Ron and his kid that one night and he's like, man, he only gets to see her Wednesday and every other weekends. It really got to me because of what he's going through, you know? Mm -hmm. So Benson asks him what the fuck happened with Kathy. The job made him hard to live with. That's what he says. Benson, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, I made a note of what Benson said. Benson tries to do one of those like... <laughs> We're pals joking around, even though it's a tough situation. She goes, she should try working with you. And, I, and then I wrote, cute. He's like, <laughs> I wrote, yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> then she asks him if he's okay. And he kind of does this like shrug thing and opens his mouth to talk. But then, then Craig and pops in. We were about to get some feelings, but nope. Mm -mm, nope. Bury him. Yep. Novak called. Closing arguments are about to happen. Closing arguments. We're in the trial again. Closing arguments. Close those arguments. Close them up. Close them up tight. Okay, so Viola Davis argues that rape used to be hard to charge. The victim was on trial, but the laws have changed. Women's identities are protected. Their sexual history is ex excluded. But that's fucking bullshit because she's the one that pulled out that fucking list about who Myra slept with. Right. She's like, why can't we go to the good old days where we just dragged women for being sluts? <sighs> yeah. She then says, maybe the pendulum has swung too far. The women who have sex and regret it shouldn't be allowed to call men rapists. She wore sexy clothes, had wine, kissed him, etc. Ron's past doesn't point to any sexual assaults. And his life has already been ruined by Myra's lies and he's being punished enough for a crime he didn't commit. All of that was such bullshit. She had wine. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Novak mm -hmm. pops up and says that rape is still hard to prosecute and still a nightmare for victims. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Novak tells the jury that Myra had to go through three sexual humiliations. Rape the rape kit, and the fucking trial exposing her slash reliving all of her trauma, Novak urges the jury to ask themselves, why would she put herself through such hell if she wasn't telling the truth? Cuts to the, the judgment. The jury handled her guy or whatever, hands the verdict to the judge. She looks the, at it. The foreman? Is that the, whatever? Well, the jury foreman is the person who does the announcing. The, um, are you talking about the officer, the court who brought it back and forth, but he wasn't like a cop. He was just a guy. The jury handler guy hands the okay. verdict to the judge. She looks looks at it and does this like, oh, and it's handed back to a jury to read out loud. The judge says, in the case of the People versus Ronald J. Polakoff, docket ended 445 on the count 
of the indictment of the charge of rape in the first degree. What is your verdict? And the camera's panning to like everybody's face. It's like the jury says, mm. we find the defendant Toyota. End of episode. <laughs> Toyota. Oh, okay. The, the bailiff is supposed to hand the... Um, he wasn't a cop. I, I don't know. He was just a guy. Weird. So ripped from the headlines and randomly mentioned in the episode, like I had said earlier, Mm -hmm. this episode is said to be based on the Kobe Bryant rape case. Okay. I really want to make the point that I'm here giving the facts to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. All right. Researching this honestly made me fucking sick to my stomach. Just the world we live in is so fucking gross. Finding actual facts and not just opinion pieces followed by some primo incel commentary was an entire job within itself. Searching any of this stuff and finding actual information Mm -hmm. that wasn't heavily leaning one way, usually in the favor of Kobe Bryant, Mm -hmm. was really tough. So if you have an extremely strong opinion on this either way and you don't like what I have to say, I'm not sure what to tell you. Um, I'm also aware that any conversations on this topic have become really fucking sensitive since Kobe Bryant's death. Do, Do we get it? Just because I'm not condemning Kobe Bryant at the very end of this does not mean that I do not believe this woman. And what she experienced. Mm. Kobe Bryant, in case you didn't know who he was, was only 18 when he was drafted to play basketball in the NBA in 1996. Mm -hmm. He was traded to the LA Lakers and his career fucking skyrocketed. He played side by side with Shaquille O'Neal. Bryant was at the time the youngest player to ever start a game in the NBA. By 2003, the Lakers had won three consecutive championships with a lot of help from Bryant. He had Mm -hmm. partner deals with Nike, Spalding, McDonald's, Nintendo, Sprite. He was everywhere. Everyone in the world knew this kid. Okay. Yeah. On June 30th, 2003, 24-year-old Kobe Bryant checked into Cordillera Lodge and Spa in Edwards, Colorado. He was there to have knee surgery at the Stedman Hawkins Clinic in Vail. The 19-year-old concierge on duty that night took the basketball star to his room. I'm going to call her Kay. Her name is out there, but as far as I'm aware, she's never spoken publicly, given an interview, or personally made herself known. Mm -hmm. If it were up to her, I truly believe we would not know her name. Mm -hmm. So I won't be using her name. Okay. I'm going to try to keep straight the back and forth of differing accounts and new information over time. I'm hoping this is easy enough to follow. Okay. So Kay takes him to his room. Bryant asked her if she would come back in 15 minutes to give him a tour of the hotel. When she returned, they toured the facilities and then went back to the room. I'm going to start with Kay's initial version of events that she gave in her first interview with police. Okay. According to Kay, when she found out Kobe Bryant was coming with a couple of bodyguards to stay at the hotel, she was fucking pumped. She wanted to stay to meet him. Her shift was supposed to be over, but she's like, I'm going to work late. I want to meet Kobe Bryant. Yeah. The following are her words. I've summed some of it up since these statements were interstitched with police questions. Mm -hmm. But this is the gist in her words. This is after they got back to the room. Mm -hmm. We were talking and he asked me to open the jacuzzi for him. I told him that my shift was over and I was going to go home. 
He proceeded to try and convince me to come back in 15 minutes, which I told him I would just so I could get out of there and I was just going to leave and not come back. Mm -hmm. I stood up to leave. He stood up, asked me to give him a hug. I gave him a hug and he started kissing me and I let him kiss me. Kissing continued. Then he took off his pants and that's when I tried to back up and leave. And that's when he started to choke me. (gasps) I was thinking that his actions were getting physical and that I wanted to get out of the room. He started groping me, I guess I'd say, putting his hands on me, grabbing my butt, my chest, trying to lift up my skirt. He proceeded to take off his own pants, trying to grab my hand and make me touch him. I told him once that I needed to leave. He didn't say anything. If he did hear me, he didn't make any gestures or anything that would let me know that he did. Mm -hmm. When he took off his pants, that's when I started to kind of back up and try to push his hands off me. And that's when he started to choke me. He wasn't choking me enough that I couldn't breathe, just choking me to the point that I was scared. Mm -hmm. She said that during this time, she wasn't saying anything, just physically trying to move toward the door, move his hands away. And that's when he put his hands around her neck, like in response to her not backing up, yeah, fighting him, but in her mind, indicating that he should know to stop. Yeah. Then he held me by my neck and physically forced me over the side of the couch. That's when he continually had one hand around my neck and with his other hand pushed me over the side of two chairs, turned me around and bent me over and lifted up my skirt. At that point, I was just kind of scared and I said no a few times. And then he lifted up my skirt, took off my underwear, and came inside me. Oh, my God. That's when he kept coming inside me, and then he leaned his face towards my— I think she meant, like, penetration Yeah. when she said that. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I think she meant. Then he leaned his face toward mine and asked me if I liked it when a guy came on my face. I said no. Then he was like, what did you say? Grabbed and, like, tightened his hold on my neck. I said no. He said he was going to do it anyway. And then at that point, I got a little bit more aggressive with him and tried to release his hands from my neck. And he was still behind me. And at that point, he's still choking me. I was not trying as hard as I could have to get away, but I was still trying. When I started to get a little bit more aggressive, tried harder to get away, that's when he stopped. I stood up and turned around and he forced me to stay in the room until I had calmed down a little bit, made me fix my hair and wash my face. Mm -hmm. She had told police that the penetration had lasted about five minutes, that she had been crying and that Bryant told her several times that she wasn't going to tell anyone. Mm. So after she left his room, other employees saw her and said that there was no indication, visual indication. There's nothing that looked different Mm -hmm. about her appearance. That is not me saying it didn't happen. That's me saying that there were a lot of things said that made this shit bounce back and forth like it did in the episode. Yeah, I mean, like, what do they expect? Like, I think people always expect, like, raped victims to come out, like, disheveled, screaming with Mm -hmm. bruises at her job. Oh my God, fuck, whatever. The next day on July 1st, Bryant went to his scheduled surgical appointment while Kay, along with her parents, went to the Eagle County Sheriff's Department. She filed a police report alleging that Kobe Bryant had sexually assaulted her. So that whole statement that I told you about, that was from that initial interview. Mm -hmm. She was given a rape kit examination. Later that night, around 11 p.m., Eagle County investigators showed up at the hotel to ask Bryant a few questions. Initially, in their conversation, Bryant denied having any sexual encounter with Kay. He said, quote, "Uh, she showed me around the pool, showing me around. We went to my room. She showed me the back view where the bears come up to the window. And that's about fucking it. We shot the shit and that was it. 
he continued to deny anything happened until police told him that her physical exam had produced semen and blood evidence. Mm. He then admitted to having consensual sex with her. In his version of events, when they got back to the room, Kay showed him her back tattoo and they started kissing. She went down on him for a few seconds before they had about five minutes of sex. Investigators asked Brian about the bruise on her jaw, along with vaginal trauma found during her physical exam, which Brian explained was from rough sex. He told investigators that choking was his thing in that type of situation, but again, that it was all consensual. He also encouraged police to question another woman he had been sleeping with that she would attest to this being the way that he rolled. He was like, call Michelle, talk to Michelle. This is exactly what we do. This is how I do things, da 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 mm-hmm. Not that it matters if someone else is into it or allows it. That's Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, It doesn't mean it's okay. It's, it's like, um, oh, well, I have sex with my girlfriend, so it's like... But it's... Yeah, that doesn't mean you makes, get to have you get to rape other people or do anything, you know? 100%. This is also not what he was saying. He wasn't like, oh, I'm into choking, so that's what we did and that's why. He was sitting there giving his perceived accounts and explaining why the choking thing wasn't weird from his perspective. Yeah. Like, he was claiming she was down with all of it. So he's telling the cops this story. He's like, this is what happened. We had rough sex or whatever. I want to keep this quiet. Uh, I don't want my wife to find out because he was married mm-hmm. to his wife, Vanessa. And then he brought up Shaquille O'Neal. He was like, ah, man, I should be doing what Shaq does and just paying these girls off. That's what he does. He's paid millions of dollars. He just pays these girls off so they keep quiet. Because in his mind, he it was insistent that it was consensual and he didn't want anybody to know that he had cheated on his wife. Mm -hmm. He said he didn't remember Kay ever saying no, except for one time. She said no when he asked her if he could come on her face. Mm -hmm. And that's where their accounts line up. Mm -hmm. Those were the words used in the questioning. Yeah. I'm not trying to be whatever about a serious thing. Investigators also found small amounts of blood belonging to Kay on Bryant's clothing. So... There was a huge thing I read that I didn't really want to get into talking about injury that can come from sex with someone of significant size. Mm-hmm. And so these were the back and forths on that. Bryant did tell police that consent wasn't verbalized, but rather given through physical cues. She kissed him back. In his version of events, she performed oral sex on him. These were the physical cues. He told them that he didn't finish inside of her, but finished himself after she left and gave them the t-shirt with his semen on it. Mm-hmm. He agreed to comply with the police investigation to give a polygraph, submit a rape test kit, whatever they needed. This conversation they had with Kobe Bryant at the hotel was about two hours long. And then he went with police to the Valley View Hospital in Glenwood Springs to give samples and do the testing and everything that they needed from him. He cooperated with everything that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Bryant's bodyguards picked him up a few hours later and they headed back to L.A. that day. On July 4th, Sheriff Joe Hoy issued an arrest warrant for suspicion of sexual assault. So Bryant flew back to Eagle, Colorado from L.A. to turn himself in. He paid the bond. It was a $25,000 bond and was released. And then he was formally charged with sexual assault on July 18th. This is the first famous press conference, the beige sweater press conference. Other people that know the story will know what I'm talking about, but you said you're not familiar with any of this at all. No, I do remember hearing about it. I don't remember it being cold. I just remember, I mean, there's 
been a few sexual assault stuffs with NBA and NFL and whatever. I do kind of remember there being an SNL uh, where Maya Rudolph played Vanessa Bryant and she was she's like, oh, you know what? I hate going to my husband's rape trial or whatever. And I I was like, about that so often. Me too. too, I think about it a lot. Me too. Just that line. Yeah. Because the whole audience was like kind of a weird pause. And then they then they were like, and then laughed. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was made into like media fodder. There were so many jokes around. Which sucks. It does suck in every regard. Right. So he's sitting there. He's wearing his beige sweater. His wife, Vanessa, is sitting next to him holding his hand. He said, quote, I didn't force her to do anything against her will. I'm innocent. I sit here in front of you guys furious at myself, disgusted at myself for making a mistake of adultery. Mm -hmm. We know based on his conversation with police that that adultery thing is an image Mm -hmm. is an image comment yeah but he's not on trial for cheating on his wife Mm -mm. the court of public opinion has nothing to do about that this is in the days of like when was it that fucking clinton was like no i didn't i didn't get a fucking blowjob in the oval office and people were more upset about monica like tempting a married man fucking barely out of high school fucking monica don't even get me started and i was dude that whole thing to me even then i was like um why does this matter people Mm -hmm. cheat on their wives all the fucking time why does this fucking matter right that was the 90s right that was 90s we're in 2003 2004 for this so he gives this press conference everything explodes because he had a squeaky clean reputation. He wasn't one of those athletes who was getting in trouble going out. They'd go on the road and guys would go out and he wouldn't. He wasn't in trouble with drugs or drinking or he was a star player and he had a great reputation. All American fucking. All American. Yeah. So this is 2003. The Me Too movement didn't spread like huge until 2017. The term was coined in 2006, but it was 2017 when it fucking blew up. Mm -hmm. Slut shaming was the name of the game in mm-hmm. the 2000s. It was fucking toxic. It's literally always been, but like... It, it has he, been, here, but like if you... Here we had new internet, global fucking like communication. That's what it is, right? I looked into it. I was like, was there an exceptional amount of slush shaming in the early 2000s? And like, there's a million articles studied. There's all kinds of shit on it where it was like, mm-hmm. if you made it through the fucking toxic fucking 2000s, congratulations, ladies, because that shit was fucked. It was super normalized. It was just casually part of the constant conversation. It was pick me as fuck, all of us. Mm-hmm. All of us, yep. Everyone was obsessed with like Britney Spears' virginity, you know, the grown men interviewing her about her boob jobs, if she had any, like mm-hmm. on TV. It's fucking yeah. weird. It was a wild time. Mm-hmm. And this case was primed for dragging. Bryant's defense team along with the court of public opinion, absolutely devoured this woman. Mm -hmm. But let's start with the defense's case, okay? So since it was a he said, she said, they decided to go full scorched earth on Kay's character. Of course. They brought up her history of mental illness. She had been allegedly taking medication for schizophrenia at the time and had survived two suicide attempts. They argued that her vaginal trauma was from having sex in the 15 hours between her encounter with Bryant and reporting the alleged sexual assault. She didn't go to the police until the next afternoon. Kay vehemently denied having sex with anyone in that time, but that she had sex prior to being assaulted. This was disputed since there was no other DNA found on Bryant's physical exam. Okay, so she's like, oh no, I had sex with somebody before. The only reason that they could dispute that is because it was very unlikely that she wouldn't have transferred some DNA 
mm-hmm. onto um, Bryant, which there was none. Also, this is why I'm saying all of this is taken from this case and put into the episode. Kay's rape kit showed another male's DNA along with Bryant's, as well as a pubic hair not belonging to her or Bryant in her underwear. Kay's lawyers and the prosecution argued this had nothing to do with sex with anybody else after the assault. They claimed that the DNA was from a consensual sex act two weeks prior. Kay said that when she was getting dressed to go to the police station, she grabbed underwear that she thought were clean, but they they weren't. They were sitting on the floor. She grabbed them. They also named her in pretrial multiple times, knowing that she wanted to remain anonymous. So they used her name a few times, but her name ended up coming out publicly when the Eagle County Justice Center posted case filings on their website, which included her full name. Jesus. Colorado's rape shield law is supposed to protect victims by barring evidence being brought in regarding the victim's sexual history, okay? Evidence in quotes. Unless there is a compelling reason to admit the testimony. Now, I'm not certain how much was going to be admissible for the actual trial, but some of the following was on the fucking table. Kay had upwards of 65 sexual partners. They felt like this was relevant. She had once had sex with more than one person in a day. Again, they felt that this was relevant. A former friend of hers. This is the... Um, the Jenny in of the it episode. All. Yes, I was going to mm. say the the roommate, the whatever, that I'm I'm going to just paint roll my little heart away because I'm upset. This girl, this former friend, I found extensive, multiple extensive interviews that she gave detailing a whole story about Kay wanting to go to a hotel when Eminem was staying in the area because she wanted to try and sleep with him, that she had slept with a friend's boyfriend. Her suicide attempts were for attention. She was known for sleeping with guys to help them earn their red wings. Are you aware of what that means? Yeah. Yeah. Look it up if you don't. It doesn't matter, but it's just these were the things that this girl was willing to testify to. What a bitch. She also said that Kay had slept with a dude that looked like Justin Timberlake at her American Idol audition in Texas. These are like big, long interviews as if they point to her being a liar or her lacking character. She's fully dragged for months while these pretrial hearings and shit are going on. In March of 2004, months after the incident, she was photographed dancing with a dude at Outlaws Nightclub in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It was splashed all over the fucking papers, the magazines, everything. The photo was taken by a private eye hired by Bryant's defense team. All over media, magazines, the shit was brought into court as well, arguing that like, she can't be that upset. You know, like, look at her grinding on this guy. Their arguments weighed heavily on slut shaming, big Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. None of that means that someone... I know. Yeah. Your argument boils down to she was asking for it. Mm -hmm. Lying or asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't find anything that put anyone in her corner. I will say that. Brant's attorneys were at Wes Dawson's door asking questions. Wes Dawson was a dude that she hung out with. That's a guy's name? I thought it was a pl- like a place. Wes Dawson? Wes. His name is oh, Wes, Wes Dawson. Wes, like Wesley. Yeah. They were going to have him come to Colorado to testify. He said that Kay told him she was going to file a civil suit so she could open up a music studio, buy breast augmentations for herself and a friend, and buy another friend a koala bear. These people could also be lying. You can't own a koala bear, first of all. So I guess all it means is that his statements didn't look good for Kay and added weight to the defense's case. The slut shaming aspect is super fucked up, talking about her sexual history and everything, but character witnesses in any kind of case serve a purpose. 
this information came out pretty recently, actually. Was it the FBI that had this? The information wasn't available, but bodybuilder Patrick Graber had offered in writing to Bryant that he would make Bryant's problem go away for a price. Jesus. Offering to kill her. Did he go to jail? Yeah, he did. Kobe Bryant was like, this has got to go to the cops. Yeah. The legal team turned the information over to the police. Deputies reported the plot to Kay in Colorado. So Kay knows that there's death threats and offers to kill her to someone who could very well afford it. This was a whole other side thing. There was this whole undercover operation that led to Graber's arrest. He was in prison for three years. I don't think I could take it. I don't think I could either. Like all of this is going on months and months and months. Kobe Bryant has, he's lost endorsement deals. His reputation is tarnished. It was a big joke in the media, like we had said. The thing that kept getting commented on was the ring that he bought for his wife, Mm -hmm. the $8 million, like four carat purple diamond or whatever, the apology ring. Vanessa Bryant did have a miscarriage in this time. Um, I can't speculate as to what caused it, but the stress of all of this probably didn't help if that yeah. if we're talking about possibilities here. So Kay ultimately couldn't take it anymore and four days into jury selection refused to testify. Without her testimony, there was no case. Mm. There was no moving forward. On September 1st, 2004, the Eagle County District Judge was forced to dismiss. Kay also recanted some of her initial story, including the fact that She told police that Bryant had actually not held her in the room following the assault, that she had washed her face and cleaned up on her own elsewhere in the hotel before leaving the grounds. There were Mm -hmm. a few instances of her omitting and embellishing. Mm -hmm. What does that do? That like tips the scales again, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for them, for them. Yeah. As part of the agreement to not go to trial, Kobe Bryant gave a public statement. This is just a piece of his statement that I felt was kind of the key point in this whole thing. He said, quote, I also want to make it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. No money has been paid to this woman. She has agreed that this statement will not be used against me in the civil case. Although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. Mm. After months of reviewing discovery, listening to her attorney and even her testimony in person, I now understand how she feels that she did not consent to this encounter. Hmm. Um, That is never the case. Yeah. I've never before or since heard someone give any wiggle yeah, room. To, maybe maybe we interpreted this differently. Like that does not happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Even I mean not that that makes regardless. it regardless anyway anything just saying. Yeah. It doesn't take away from her experience, right? Right. This is that's the part that makes it so fucking hard. Do you understand what I'm saying? How yeah. fucking messy it is because he immediately cooperated. His defense team is going to try to keep him out of prison. He could have served years and years in prison. So his defense team is doing whatever they got to do to build their case. And then he recognized her point of view, which PR, maybe, I I don't know. We can't say. That is, at the end of the day, what's throwing me. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I 100% believe that this woman experienced what she experienced. Mm -hmm. And then he says that and takes an ownership that we don't hear from people in the position that he's in. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could have just as easily come out and been like, listen, she finally admitted it. I'm going to move on with my career and my family and like take this exaggerated moral high ground. Yeah, that's how most of the famous people like quote unquote apologize. I think that's what stops me in my tracks from going, fuck him. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. 
But I did want to make a really clarifying point that impact is greater than intent, which is unfortunate mm -hmm. for someone who argues that they didn't have that intent. Right. I believe that that's what she experienced that night, that she had real fear and a real feeling of powerlessness. Kay later filed a civil lawsuit initially under Jane Doe, but was forced to refile using her own name. She wasn't allowed to file the suit anonymously. Mm -hmm. The settlement was never publicly verified. They settled out of court, but it's been speculated that it was around and above $2.5 million. Mm -hmm. Kay went on to have a quiet life. You can't find much about her. She lives with her partner and they have a kid. That's really all we know. Hmm. Kobe Bryant went on to have an epic career. He became an active ambassador for after-school all-stars for 12 years. He worked with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for 20 years. In 2007, he launched the Kobe Basketball Academy, mentoring and training young kids and teens. He helped raise tens of billions of dollars for cancer research. He is a beacon of the Black community. Mm -hmm. In January 26, 2020, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash along with his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, and seven other passengers. He was mm. 41. Yeah, I knew about the helicopter. I didn't realize it was Kobe. I knew it was somebody I mm. forgot. I don't know shit about Kobe Bryant. Oh, oh, fuck. Well. All right. Well, next week, we have season six, episode nine, week. Benson and an ex-cop, now psychiatrist, are trying to find a serial rapist who preys on fucking disabled women. Ugh. So... This is going to piss the, me off. Mm -hmm. I say like that's a surprise. Me specifically. I don't like this. Only me. This is a very niche thing that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Rate, review us. Email us at svpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to send us stuff, go ahead. P.O. Box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin, 53532. Follow us on all social media, Instagram, TikTok, etc. at svupod. Get pod merch and more at svupod.com. We have a tea public bunch of shit. Join the Facebook group SVU Pod Elite Squad. And we also have a Facebook chat group called Walk and Talk. There's also a Facebook group book club called Single Tomato. And hashtag little bit loud for indie pods. And if you are an indie pod, hashtag your shit. So it can all be together. We can all find it. And join the Patreon. We got tons of extra content. Call or text us and leave us your questions, stories, and comments. Ghost stories, please. If you want some shitty advice, call leave a message at 1-920-345-7005. Again, 1-920-345-7005. Also, this just popped in my nogs. Story yourselves, listening to the pod, commenting on the pod, you know... There's lots of ways for you to share us with your fronds. Mm -hmm. You don't have to join the Patreon to support. Right. Are you embarrassed of us? Oh, my God. Are you embarrassed? Are we wow. your secret? Wow. Is this just between us? I like that I'm your dirty little secret. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> what is that from? Uh, uh, euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Love you. Right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Why, why, why do I sound like such a... <laughs> Back with Myra, Myra says that Ron invited... <laughs> just a pointy Like, yeah. I've never heard anybody say that or explain that. And, like, I just love you. <laughs> love you know, the pointy, the pointy wolf eye. And I'm like... <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stabler says he thinks... I'm sorry. You can always, every fucking single time you do it, you can get me with you just mocking yourself. I know. All you have to do is mock yourself a tiny bit. And I'm like... You <laughs> stupid <laughs> like, bitch. It's like true. You're peak, dumb. <laughs> no, it's peak comedy for me. Like, if you're... I won't even notice that it sounded weird or think it sounded weird at all. And you'll be like, at the precinct. At the fucking precinct. <laughs> uh, Gabe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just die every time. I don't know why. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez has had enough. <laughs> What's her face is her best friend and says it's okay to protect her young. She's like a lion. He's like a lion. And to our elite squad patrons, Sonia W, Marissa M, Elki H, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Kate H, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Katarina G, Danielle W, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Blair. Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, Kay Allen, Eliza W, Crystal B, Jessica P, Zon and J, Nada M. It's so funny because you you were like, Kay Allen, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to sing the rest of them. And you did a little bounce, and then you didn't. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I saw your shoulders go like this. You know what? I did it, and then I thought, Gabe is going to yell at me <laughs> if I keep singing. Oh, Gabe's going to be like, knock it off. I would have not yelled at you. Nada M, Sian, Madison H, Emily, once bitten, twice shy. What? Oh, I don't know. I just said something that started with oh. an O. Um, <laughs> Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, I'll take over. Oh. Desiree D, <laughs> okay. Drew B, Monica K, Katie S, Brenna T, Natasha S, Andrea H, Al H, Nikki R, Aunt Sarah. Oh, go. You said I'll take over. I assumed you were kidding. Oh, sorry. Caitlin S, Emily D, Katie H, Lexi Y, Vern, Jenna B, Catherine B, Ariana, Madeline K, you. <laughs> Madeline K, yum. Her name's Madeline, actually. She sent us oh. a thing, so I want to pronounce it correctly. I know we pronounced it wrong last week, but we're going to do it right. Madeline. Oh, oh, Madeline. She's mine. She's fine. <laughs> Madeline. Okay. Meg M, Andrea M, Nikki B, Mallory J, and Lem. Boop, boop. You're great. I don't like that my Emily O didn't land. That's fine. No. It's actually kind of funny because I was what? I said what? You went. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought you kind of planned it out that way a little bit because it was. I didn't. All right. Emily. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, darlin', Emily. Emily. <laughs> okay. Stop the recording. No. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Okay. If you love me, let me go for the hour. <laughs> Bye. I'll come back. I'm a butterfly. 